the end he of the draft. He starts like licking his lips and kind of scratching oh a little bit, God. and before I you know, he's there. got like six wide receivers on his board. I just, just get that itch. All on his team. All right, welcome in everybody to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, uh, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve. You of course can find my co-host, Mr. Neil Smith, at nonsense underscore Neil. Neil, do you have anything on that yet, by the way? Yeah, I got a couple things. They get buried by your avalanche of like. I live tweet. You have no man. idea what it's like live dealing with the social media addict people. You have no idea <laughs> the, the struggle. The the. The, oh man, yeah, it's hard to keep up with somebody who's as prolific as Steve. But yeah, occasionally I am, I am on there putting a couple things up. It's just that by the end of the day, there's like tw- it's like twelve to one. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> the the feed on importantnonsense.com only keeps like the top fifty tweets, so that's all me. And yeah. Then, so uh, I just I just get crushed. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And, and then we're also on the Fantasy Life app as important nonsense. So Neil, uh, this weekend we had our uh, annual draft for the Golden League, which was banana sandwich. Yeah, As I've said to, to you and to uh, everyone else, look, we do the show. I do prep. I've done all the video work and everything for Pro Football Focus, all the research, everything you can possibly do to prepare for a draft. And there was absolutely nothing I could have done to prepare for what happened on Sunday because that was just completely out of left field. And you don't even have to go any further than the first four picks because, of course, the rich get richer. <laughs> and we all went into it saying that, oh, Elise is going to take either Le'Veon or Antonio Brown number one. And she tells me afterwards that, oh, she had no interest in either one of those guys. It was either LaShawn McCoy or Jordy Nelson. And she ended up taking LaShawn McCoy number one. So just from that, we're all sitting there going, oh, my God, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And then we get to the number two pick, and it's Le'Veon. We're like, all right, so then Sandman's going to take Antonio Brown, and he takes Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, who's who's not named Antonio Brown, who is not the number one rated wide receiver on the board. I get the Martavis Bryant conflict, but I also understand the fact that he just hands the defending champion Antonio Brown, and we're all sitting there going, "What is happening? Why does why does the gods of fantasy football hate us and love Steve Flynn so much?" And the only thing I could come a conclusion to is that this is season 15 of the Golden League. And in the 15 seasons, I would say Flynn deserves, what, like six, maybe seven championships at this point? Something and like last that. year was the first games. one, and it's the fantasy guys are just making up for it now. They're like, here, just have everything. <laughs> just take it all. Just enjoy every bit of that. Uh, he will, too. He will yeah, enjoy it he all. Will. I'm not going to so, lie. He's going to be it's smug gonna be about it the entire It's going to be a long way. year for all of us. Just watching Steve beat us all down over and over and over. <laughs> and we're not going to be able to do anything about it. And, uh, yeah, it's the craziest draft I've seen in a long time. We'll get more into that later no, in the Golden I, I League update. In the draft, though, after the first pick, I remember saying, well, I've been prepping for this for months, mock drafting, <laughs> doing the data, you know, the data analytics, crunching the numbers getting a board together, having my sleepers, knowing what I want to do, and then mock drafting that for months to get it to the point where I could do it blindfolded. And with one pick, you could take all that work I did and just throw it away. <laughs> it's like you said, we'll we'll get into that more later because it's just it. it was so crazy, but uh yeah, so everything with that, 
Uh, I want to welcome any listeners we may have from Pro Football Focus with the uh, the PFF Super League. I've been doing, of course, me and my big mouth because I don't have enough going on anyway. We have our own power rankings I do on a weekly basis for the Golden League, and it's up on importantnonsense.com. And then I mentioned to you the, the PFF League I'm in, the uh, the 12 team division I'm part of, the the Randy Moss division in the wide receiver conference. They all said, oh, man, we love your uh, your comments. Do you want to do power rankings for our division? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, 12-team league. I do that anyway. No big deal, right? And then uh, that kind of got passed around. And they were like, oh, hey, maybe you want to do uh, like a, an AP top 25 for all 192 teams. <laughs> so that's where I am. That's where I am right now. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right? What am I? I only have a wife and kids. What? I don't I don't need to see them ever at school. Yeah, you got a bunch so, of mediocre college football games you got to watch and take notes exactly, on. Exactly. Exactly. So tell them no, about I'd, Wake Forest versus uh, the D2 team. Presbyterian. That, that, that's what yeah, the people really great. want to hear about. Oh, it was that's fantastic. what our listeners really came here to see. Was but, to talk yeah. about, you know, how Presbyterian <laughs> the, uh, could catch a cold. You yeah, you want the Wake Forest Presbyterian hot takes. That's what everyone's listening to this yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely what we're here for. I mean But no. So uh yeah, 192 team Super League, the PFF Championship League. Uh, that'll be on importantnonsense.com. It's up there. I've, I'm in the process of writing that all. So by the time this is posted, that'll be up and ready to go for everyone there. So welcome to any new listeners from uh, PFF that may be listening with us. We appreciate you listening as well. And then, uh, you know, the big news of the week was mainly... Come for the advice. Stay for the mediocrity. <laughs> exactly. It's mainly the, uh, the suspensions from the NFL. I mean, look, I mean, they, they suspended Zeke. I suspended Neil, but he's still eligible to play, apparently, so he's still here. You can't suspend people unless you pay them. You can't <laughs> suspend me unless you pay Watch me. Watch me. I, we've been Watch, through this. Hold my beer. My, my lawyer was very clear, all right? <laughs> the NFL loves suspension so much, they even suspended a game. So okay. it's everything suspension-related we have to get through, but again, a ton to do. And not much time, so uh, let's jump straight into our game previews. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it! And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. All right, Neil, we're previewing what should have been 16 games this week. We, of course, have the Thursday night kickoff. We have... uh, how many? I didn't even count it. How many day games there are? But there are officially should have been 13 games on Sunday. There's now 12, including the Sunday night football game, and then two games on Monday night. So we will start things off, of course, with the preview of the game that's not even going to happen. Uh, we're going to break down this incredible Week 11 matchup between the <laughs> Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The reason it's interesting, of course, is because both teams now are going to have to play 16 straight. I had both of them projected as close to playoff teams, and of course I had Tampa Bay in my Super Bowl, which looks great for them. I mean, if you want a bye week, just get the two seed. BFD. (laughs) Uh, So now, 
<laughs> they had been postponed to week 11, so that is no longer their bye week. Their bye week is week one. The Dirk Cutter quote from earlier today, he was asked about, do you fear playing 16 games in a row? And he said, hey, I mean, if we go 10-0, and 0, we want to keep playing. We want to roll the momentum. And if we're 0-10, I won't be here anyway, so why do I care? So he gets it. <laughs> Dirk Cutter gets it. The impact yeah. mainly is Miami. This was their home opener, and it was going to be their only home game in the first half of the season until October 1st when they play the Saints, which will now technically be their home opener at Wembley Stadium in London. <laughs> so their first actual game at Hard Rock in Miami will be October 8th against the Titans. So they have over a month from the recording of this podcast until their first actual home game. So that blows if you're a Dolphins yeah. fan and player that uh, you're basically going to be on the road the whole first part of the season here. Yeah, both teams, by the way, fan bases are super thrilled about having their bye weeks canceled. Uh, exactly. So, you know, obviously there's a hurricane and people need to be with their families, but... Yeah, the important thing is that they get out of there and the families move and everything, but yeah. Yeah, but the ever-logical NFL fan bases, of course, don't necessarily always see things that way. So they're not real happy about having to play all those games in a row. I've even seen some of the players talking about on Twitter, you know, what's this about player safety? I'm sorry. You were talking exactly. about players safety all offseason, now. and now I've played 16 straight games? Hold on. Hold on. And I was saying so earlier bad. in the week, too, Like again, the priority should clearly be them being with their families, getting out of that area, evacuating, getting to safe ground. We get all that. Um, yeah, I'd get out But of I was there. also saying call. that New Orleans is open. The Superdome is there. No one's playing there this week. You know, New Orleans on the road. Carolina's on the road. There was other close options nearby you could have played in. Even if the projection shows it's just going to be South Florida currently on the path, you could have relocated to Jacksonville and right. played the game in Jacksonville. So you had other options to play it this week and continue with the Week 11 bye. They chose to suspend the game. It is what it is. NFL loves suspensions. We get that. So, you know, well, that's the biggest impact for Miami, though, is just the 16 straight games. Now you wonder, is it going to matter for them in the long haul in terms of you know injuries and health coming towards the end of the season? But we won't know un until we get there. Yeah, so it's a wait-and-see thing. Uh, for Tampa, the biggest impact is Doug Martin, who was shooting up draft boards, which I didn't understand, and went really high. I kept saying all along, I don't understand how you're taking Doug Martin as running back in the mid-20s when there's still guys playing all 16 weeks out here that you're passing on right. for no apparent reason. So, and then also, uh, why is Jaquiz Rogers like the end of the draft in the 13th round in just about nobody every wanted him. I don't get it. No one wants Jaquiz Rogers, and it's like I don't understand. He's a starting running back in the NFL. I get it. It's only for a handful of weeks, but mm -hmm. you're taking backups, backups well before this guy who, when he yeah. was starting last year. Right. In PPR leagues, was a, was a monster because he was getting 30 touches a game. Doug Martin was going before starters, and Derrick Henry is going ahead of Jaquiz Rogers, who's actually playing. Right. So it's just this weird thing that's going on with them this year. I don't get it. But for whatever reason, everybody even... loved Doug Martin. So now his bye week has been moved to week one, and his three-game suspension is now weeks two through four. So you don't get Doug Martin until week five. And he's historically, if you look at his career, he's a slow starter. Always. Right. He's always which, been a slow starter. Right. So which now is he's why we've been on the time. quiz may end up being the starter bandwagon. Man, that may not happen, but it's like, do you really want Doug Martin until like week 10 to begin with? Yeah, exactly. It's a long time to wait. 
So that kind of screws everything up there for him. Other than that, it's really just the fact that you may be, for example, me, because that's just classic me, uh, having no running backs, I had, <laughs> I, I went into the draft as I do every other year saying, I'm not going to punt RB. I got to focus on it. And then I'm like, Oh man, look at all those wide receivers. And I just can't pass them up and end up with no running backs at the end he of the draft. He starts like licking his lips and kind of scratching oh a little bit. God. And before you know, he's there. got like six wide receivers on his board. I just, just get that all on his team. <laughs> so I ended up on my roster in the golden league with Jay Ajayi, Thomas Rawls, who's questionable, uh, James White, who's playing tomorrow, and then uh, Belial Powell is my number two. And I loved Powell and Ajayi, so I felt good with those. And I was like, oh, I'm good until, you know, like week 11 with the buys. So pff, I'm fine. I don't need to worry <laughs> about any other running backs. And then this happens, and I'm super, super thin at RB. So if you're in a similar situation to me, maybe you've got Jameis. And you can't play him now because I could see you taking Jameis as your number one and then just not taking a number two QB because you figure I don't need it till week 11. Why do I want to waste the roster spot now? Uh, Same thing with, as I said, Ajayi or Rogers, if you were relying on them as an RB or Mike Evans on the other side, you know, Landry, uh, probably weren't starting Parker, but maybe if you were, you know, yeah, uh, Devontae Parker, Deshaun though. Jackson, wide receivers so you may need some bi-week fill-ins these are guys that uh me and neil both like for this week and guys that we kind of think should have maybe been drafted anyway the criteria was pretty much you had to be at or below 55 percent owned in an espn league which of course uh 12 team ppr that's our standard and is the standard of espn now qb options uh looking at probably eli manning he's currently 50 percent owned uh, according to Pro P- Football Focus, he's the number 17 QB this week, but we love the matchup as we'll get into with Dallas. It should be a shootout against that porous, porous defense they have there. Next up is Carson Wentz, who everybody was kind of high on as a QB2 anyway. 46% owned the 13th ranked QB. Again, great matchup against Washington. And then Carson Palmer, only 35% owned. I feel like that's going to skyrocket because his early season schedule is just so crazy juicy. He's the number 16 rated QB this week, but just the whole first half of his schedule is so good that I feel like he's going to end up being owned a lot more than that. So it may be a bandwagon you want to jump on early anyway. And if you're new to the site from PFF, I wrote a whole article in the vacuum section about basically pairing Matthew Stafford and Carson Palmer. I'm I'm a big believer in Carson Palmer. He's one of mine, and it's just he's he's so low low owned that I can't believe it at this point because of how easy their schedule is because it's a function of how bad they were last year. And then uh, for running backs, Chris Thompson was the highest owned at 55 percent. He's the 40th ranked running back. Again, you're not going to find anybody that's too high up on the list after the drafts this far down. But Thompson, same for Shane Vereen next at 30% owned. And then Alvin Kamara at just 19% owned. They're all the pass catching back in their offense. So you know they Kamara have a defined the role. Of the list, though. And Kamara, yeah, Kamara he's only 18% owned. And you know he's going to be the pass catcher in that Darren Sproles-like role. And he's got that position all to himself now, so he's the 28th ranked running back this week. He's startable. He's flex-worthy in a standard 12-team league, and yet 
only 19% owned in leagues. He's a guy you should have on your bench anyway, just exactly. for the upside and potential. We've been on him all season coming exactly. out of Tennessee. Even if you don't need him for a, a fill-in this week, he's someone you definitely want on your bench. He's way better Traveris Cadet. Is the is the, is what Alvin Kamara has turned into his rookie season exactly. basically coming yeah. into it. So that, that you're on the field with Drew Brees, there's every chance you're going to catch a three yard little dump off touchdown. And then uh, Wendell Smallwood is the kind of like long shot play if you're really desperate. He's only nine percent owned and he's low on the PFF rankings for this week. My whole argument for Smallwood is just the value. Uh, more than likely, he's going to be the every down guy. He's going to be pounding it between the tackles and he's going to get vultured by Legarrette Blunt. So I don't expect yeah, a ton probably. of touchdowns, but he's going to get them the yardage. A hundred yard day is not out of the realm of possibility for I think you're really hoping Smallwood. For that a volume hundred yard day between you know from the twenty five to the twenty five, and then you maybe get really lucky and he comes back on the field on like third down or something, and they pass it to him. What you're hoping for is he gets the ball at the forty and breaks yeah, it, it and it's a 40-yard touchdown. That's your biggest hope with Wendell Smallwood because if okay, he gets it in close, <laughs> like I said, it's it's Blunt that's going to push it in. So I think your best bet is he breaks off a huge run, which against that defense is entirely possible. Oh, yeah. So that's your home run hitter if you want to take a huge swing. But otherwise, like I said, Kamara's the guy you definitely want to own, and Thompson and Vereen have roles that could be useful if you desperately need someone. From a wide receiver standpoint, Cole Beasley is a guy that I'm always really high on. If you just look at his target share, the the fact that he doesn't drop the ball very much, and he's constantly catching it, he's like a, a young Julian Edelman without the off-the-field issues, if you will. <laughs> and uh, he does it for Dallas instead of New England. And as I've said time and time again, I'm high on Dak this year because I feel like they're going to be throwing a ton. That defense is so terrible that they're going to be constantly behind. And Beasley is his check down option. It's not Jason Witten on his bloody stumps out there. So it's going to be Cole Beasley short, only 25% owned in leagues right now. He's the number 42 wide receiver in PFF projected for 10.8 points this week, which isn't terrible compared no. to every other option. You're in the same territory as everything else out there. I would also add that Cole Beasley is potentially an interesting daily play, kind of on a week-to-week basis this year, just because he's not going right. to cost a whole lot, and he's a decent yep. flex option on the super cheap if you've gone kind of the stars and scrubs. He's got a nice little floor built in there because it's PPR scoring. So I like Cole Beasley a whole lot more if we're talking PPR standard. Uh, you might be able to go to our next guy, I think. Right, be a better which would option. be Sterling Shepard, 49% owned the same range 48 overall and 10.2 points this week so again like we said he's a much better standard option he's not going to get the same volume because he's working with odell beckham and brandon marshall now but against that cowboy defense uh, anything could happen you could put up huge numbers against them so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he goes off for a big day then the other one basically paired together is just bananas. Yeah. Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. It's basically start your Seahawks because the Packers were the worst secondary in the league last year and going strictly by wide receiver cornerback matchups, Paul Richardson, who will be lining up on the outside as the number six matchup in the league. Not not like in the NFC or or not like of the 
day of or the, of the or, late or games, not <laughs> in the game like you would think. He's only one point nine percent owned. Yeah, That's right. it. What he he's out there. Nobody wants him. We were talking about this before the before the show when we were going through the list and we decided to add both these guys. Is Paul Richardson just? Does, do people think he's out of football? Right. Do people think it's, that he's just disappeared? I don't understand because he's technically the two receiver. And I get it's right. not a high volume passing offense, but it's not like he's dead. It's not like he's like lost his legs. I mean, the whole reason they were willing to get rid of Jermaine Curse is because they love what they've seen from Paul Richardson and the development and the strides he's taken. And he's the number two receiver on that team. Now you could say that Jimmy Graham is the number two option, and he'll probably be second in targets to Doug Baldwin, but Richardson is right there. He's going to get a ton of volume this season. And that he's only 2% owned. He's the number 44 ranked receiver this week. He's only two spots behind Cole Beasley with the number six matchup and nobody wants him. And for the same yeah. uh, sentiment, Tyler Lockett, 25% owned, but he's got the number 30 projection in the league because he has the number eight matchup. Like just, you don't understand just how horrendous the Packers secondary is. So, Anyone against the Packers secondary is a fantastic matchup. The issue you may say is, oh, well, maybe they don't chuck the ball around a ton. But with the confusion going on in that backfield and the fact that the Packers can put up points, there's a high probability this game turns into a high-scoring matchup. And either one of these guys is a great dart throw, and especially, especially in daily. I am that, all over these guys in daily tournaments Paul because Richardson they could be have huge games and they're going to be, he's going to be worth nothing. He's yeah, going to be a Paul dollar to buy Paul minimum. Richardson on DraftKings and he yeah. could put up 15, 16 points for you. They're also doing that billion dollar pick your lineup. Exactly. And, uh, when we were, as we were going through this list and we uncovered the Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett matchups, uh, it becomes interesting, especially for that particular contest. We're doing that as well. Because I could easily see the whole reason we wanted to add Tyler Lockett, and especially this was my whole point for him, was it's the worst, one of the worst secondaries in football. All Tyler Lockett has to do is run down the field with his arm up and just get behind yep. them one time. And that's it. Yep. That's all the points you would need from Tyler Lockett. So it's possible that he could be really solid. One of them could get a huge day, though, and be one of those... Uh, one of those guys that would be a bracket buster, potentially, for you. If you're playing daily, those guys are insane value. And even, like I said, playing in an all-season league, now pick them up. They should yeah. be way higher than what they are. It's craziness. And then the other guy we mentioned was Cooper Cup. It's more of a season-long play. Only 16% owned, but uh, White Megatron definitely needs to be on your roster just as a stash. He could turn into the number one receiver on that roster. I know Sammy Watkins is there. I understand it. You also understand my my hate for Sammy yes. Watkins. And the fact that he is, as we've said with the, the matchups here, the wide receiver cornerback matchups, Sammy Watkins has the hardest head-to-head -head schedule of yes. anyone. As a result, Cooper Cup being the number two on the outside, he ends up getting a lot, a lot of choice matchups. So it's it favors him to be the guy that you actually want. I also as the think pass that's going to be the guy the that Goff develops chemistry with more than Watkins, especially early in the season because they already went through camp together. Watkins shows up at the end, and they, they didn't get all the time to work. Meanwhile, Cooper Cup comes into the NFL 
and all I've seen through minicamp, OTAs, and all the other things since he's been able to get on the team is him catching ridiculous fade routes into the end zone. And that continued right into the preseason. He's put too much tape out to not be owned in fantasy, I think, at this point. So let's get into the games that are actually going to be played this week. We have uh, first the NFL kickoff game tomorrow, the Chiefs against the Pats. The one news of note is that the Pats did get Philip Dorsett, which was a spectacular move for Philip Dorsett. Yes. Because, boy, who could be luckier? And then uh, it was probably the worst move in the history of the NFL if your name's Jacoby Brissett. Because you're going, yes. what is going on? What did I walk into? He went from 16-0 and 0 to 0-16 and like that. So oh, yeah. all of a sudden, it's uh, it's very – so Dorsett means nothing. It's fantasy irrelevant. He's like the sixth option on the offense. I would be offense. shocked if Philip Dorsett does anything. However – as we all know, the New England Patriots have a long history of taking players that are not necessarily very good at football and then turning them into players that are really good at football, but only in that system, critically. You can't take them back out and put them somewhere else. They go right back to being what they were before they got there. It's, it's a weird thing they got going there, but yeah, no thank you, Mador said. The analysis for this game, I'm just going to warn you all now. It's There's week one of the season, <laughs> and the analysis for this game you're going to hear this a lot, is the same analysis I'm going to give for every New England game. It's the Patriots. It's not particularly close. And the only reason that the other team is relevant is because once the Pats are up 45 nothing, they'll put in the B and C team, and they'll accidentally let the other team score a couple and, and, and keep it relevant. So because of that, you still will play your KC players. Uh, I have no fear of the Chiefs' defense. You know my feeling on that. I don't buy that yeah. one little bit. Anybody that drafted the Chiefs' defense, good luck to you because <laughs> good luck with that. And <laughs> the uh, the Pats, I think, are going to score a ton of points in this game and win it easily. So, I mean, obviously, picks can pick them. Patriots, the first of 19 in a row, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. No, it's it's the Patriots. That's, that's really it. That's... Speaking of lack of analysis... The Falcons go on the road to take on the Bears at Soldier Field. The only note we have here is that Mitch Trubisky was officially named the number two, and they basically made Mark Sanchez a player coach. Lewis Riddick tweeted out today that Sanchez was kept on the team essentially because Dak Prescott praised him in the offseason as being a big reason that he was able to get through last year. He was a big mentor helping him on the sidelines and in the QB room. So, in that regard, Sanchez clearly is useful to the team somehow, at least. He's basically the quarterback's coach now. So, I don't know, one less thing for John Fox to do? Uh, I, I mean, John Fox already has his flip-flops in his bag. He's got his Jimmy Buffett tickets. He's, he's going to go get one of the fruity Mai Tai drinks with an umbrella in it very soon. Very soon. A very easy transition into retirement for him. Right, yeah. There was a spoiler alert on this one. You know I don't like the Falcons' D this year, and I think they're going to have a down season. However, sure. we also know that you and me agreed the Bears would be 0-9. And, yep. and, <laughs> they, and coming and out of the bye and finish 3-13. This three is not and 13. one of the games so, they're going to win. <laughs> since uh, to, to go 0-9, they kind of have to lose in Week 1, right? So I'm going Falcons, and I know you are too. Oh, yeah. Jets and Bills tickle fight of the weekend. Tyrod Taylor will play despite going through the concussion protocol this week. 
Also, Jordan Matthews will be playing for the first time pretty much in a Bills uniform since he got the chip fracture in his sternum pretty much day one, right? It was day one, first practice with the team. It was, yeah, he pretty much just got off the scale and got his pads and then went out and caught one pass, and then that was it. He already knows the playbook by now because he's been studying that, learning it. He just hasn't gotten the rhythm with the team. I would avoid starting him at all costs if I could. Otherwise, it's start your Bills, start your Jets, because the defenses aren't going to do much in this game. We mentioned earlier, Curse is going to be in this one. The Jets acquired him from Seattle on Friday. Eventually, he'll be the number one on this roster, but he just hasn't been with the team long enough, I think, to have any kind of fantasy relevance. It's Robbie Anderson, I would say, if you're starting a Jets wide receiver, but if you're starting a Jets wide receiver, then you've done something horribly wrong yeah, in your you draft. Yeah, were way too early in the season for that. <laughs> it's not- so the interesting thing will be to see what Zay Jones does, you know, being the feature guy there, because uh, is it Matthews or is it Zay Jones? Who knows? Honestly, I don't know that it even matters for practical purposes. No. At, this, At point. this point, I wouldn't start any receiver on either side. No, uh, so no, no. maybe the so maybe Charles Clay. You're pretty much playing LaShawn McCoy and Bilal Powell, and that's Tyrod Taylor. If you need a fill-in QB, maybe Matt Forte because we got all those buys from the other games that we were mm-hmm. talking about. Those guys are right. gone, so maybe you got to play Matt Forte. Uh, maybe uh, that's kind of it for this game. Yeah. And I got but the Pigskin Pick'em. This is yeah, the, also Bills. One of the few games I have the Bills winning this year. So yep, me too. Just because Tyrod's back, by the way, it would be a real dogfight to see who could not win that Nathan game. Nathan Peterman, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's going to not win that game. You know, There's no real winner. It's just who can not lose most efficiently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati, another division matchup. The Ravens, man, this is this is a tough one because you know I hate the Bengals. I know you But I also do. hate the, 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 the Ravens' D. It's getting older. It's that offense is just atrocious. It's really a coin flip, and it's it comes down to the fact that uh again i think it's cincinnati at home in the division so i'm taking the Bengals, even though i don't like it yeah i have the Bengals at nine and seven this year which is just a function of really their schedule and i think they're going to get off to the right foot here and win this one at home even though it is a division game so it will be close but they're going to get just enough points to just barely squeak it out i'm talking like last second field goal kind of game pittsburgh and cleveland it's the return of joe hayden so he spent so much time away. I'm sure he's thrilled to get back to Cleveland. Oh, yeah. He's, he was saying today how he knows, he already knows that Cleveland's going to test him deep. They're going to try to throw the ball deep on him because they were saying that that's what he couldn't do anymore. Uh, Martavis Bryant also officially cleared to play, so he will be with the team for the regular season, which is news to note simply because he was such a huge guy anyway, but now it's official he's back. So it'll be interesting to see how he stands up throughout an entire season. I have never been that high on Martavis Bryant because it's such a small sample size. So we'll see how it pans out. But uh, potentially he's the best number two they've had there since Emmanuel Sanders. Potentially. It's just they were so happy to have him back that pretty much cut all their other receivers that they had been holding on to to do that job. So I know the Steelers are very high on Martavis Bryant, especially. I mean, like I said, I feel like Cleveland's improved this year. Uh, they were in a ton of games last year, and in the division, with a full offseason to prep, anything can happen. And week one, historically, is the hardest week to predict. Yeah. So, who knows? But now they're saying Miles Garrett has injured his ankle because Cleveland, 
and he's going to be out a couple of weeks potentially. So if the best player on your team isn't playing, I don't know how you trust it. It's a rookie QB starting against the Steelers, even though the Steelers aren't great defensively and they're on the road. Where they're especially not great. I'm still taking the Steelers. Yeah, no, I'm taking the Steelers too. It's just it's so hard to pick the Browns in this game. It's just it's a function of the Browns defense is clearly better. Their offensive line is great. Isaiah Crowell is an sure. incredible play this week. Incredible. And yeah, if you're desperate, yeah, that, that, Deshaun Kaiser yeah. is interesting. But it's just Cleveland's so bad on offense. Even right. though Pittsburgh's so bad on defense, it's so hard point, to Pittsburgh's gonna score, I'm right. quite sure. And and Cleveland is going to have to start to try and throw the ball at some point. And that's where I think the whole system for the Browns is going to ballpark. Even in what you would think would be juicy matchups like this, Pittsburgh on the road just doesn't click for some reason away from Pittsburgh. I don't know what it is. don't know why that is. Just for whatever reason, away from home, they don't play nearly as well. So I don't expect them to put up a ton of points in this, but I still expect them to win like a 17-14 or a 20-14 to type game. I was thinking they get to 24. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Probably beat them 24 to 14 or 24 to 17. Because I just don't think Cleveland's sure. going to be able to ultimately just keep up. That, that's just all it is. I, you, you're only going to be able to run the ball to a point. So just because the, the clock will work against you like it always does. So I don't know that they're going to be able to stop Antonio Brown from just torching them like he loves to do. Arizona, Detroit. Arizona's a team we are both super high on this year. Uh, I think they have a huge bounce back season. I have them going all the way to the NFC title game. I don't care that it's on the road in Detroit. Detroit is bad. Arizona has a great offense that two years ago was clicking, and they basically have everyone back healthy now. So because of that, I think that this offense against that a terrible, terrible Detroit defense can put up a ton of points, and Arizona has a solid D. Even with Detroit being able to score offensively, it's going to be a high-scoring game for sure, but I think it's going to be somewhere in like the 42 to 28-ish range, and Arizona walks away handily. Arizona's going to take it. and it's just, Detroit's defense is too bad, and Arizona's defense isn't amazing anymore, but it's still good enough that I guarantee you they're going to turn Matthew Stafford over probably twice. And that's going to ultimately be the difference in the game, I would think. Uh, next up, we've got Oakland and Tennessee with their remade offense. They've had some injuries throughout the preseason, so, you know, Tennessee not maybe able to click from the outset, and then the defense, which was bad, got a little bit better, but it's still bad. Oakland has terrible defense as well, though. That's their issue. That's what's kept them down for the last couple seasons, trying to fix that. Their high-powered offense, though, I think is just going to be too much for Tennessee, even on the road. I have Oakland opening up the season with a victory. As do I. Oakland, uh, Oakland, even though it's on the road, I just we both kind of I think see Tennessee the same way, which is I have them pegged as a uh, a good team at the end of the season, but I have them pegged for kind of a slow start because they have so many new toys that they all on both sides of the ball that I find it hard to believe that they're gonna through just one off season are gonna be able to all show up and look amazing and all be completely lockstep with each other. I think that'll happen gradually throughout the course of the season though yeah like i said a couple weeks ago when we did our nfl preview if you have not heard that episode please go back check it out but uh they're my miami dolphins of this season everybody came in high expectations last year for the dolphins all of a sudden they went one and six they're like oh adam gase is terrible let's get him they're they're saying remember we were joking last year how quickly do they fire adam gase does he make it a full season in his first year and then they won nine in a row and made the playoffs. So now, this year, 
it's pretty much the same thing I have for Tennessee. I have them starting one and seven. They have a rough schedule to start the year, but then their final eight games are fairly easy down the home stretch. I think they can go on a huge run, finish nine and seven and make the playoffs, but they're going to have that bump in the road to start the year. And this is just part of it. When you take all those off season free agent pieces and put them together, you have to give it time to, to gel, to, to work as a team and figure that all out. And until they do that, I don't think it's going to click for them in terms of the scoreboard. However, I would say, as I said before, shoot out, start all your Titans, start your Raiders. It's be, pa- be prepared to uh, to score a ton of points. Yeah, you can't really ask for a better opener if you're investing in those guys, either on either team for fantasy, which, frankly, a lot of people are. Along the same lines, Philly against Washington. It's a team in Philly that we have kind of taken a step forward and Washington taking a step back. But it's two defenses that have not been great historically, and they are just going to beat up on each other in this one. Jordan Reed finally not on the injury report. He will be playing this week a full go. As we mentioned, Carson Wentz is a great fill-in this week if you need somebody. And I don't understand the hate on Kirk Cousins. I have him this week as the number three QB, and I have him number four for the season overall because with that defense, they are going to throw it a ton. It is going to be constantly chucking the ball for that team. So, I mean, I don't care that they didn't look good in the preseason. doesn't matter. Ask the Bears about all the preseason Super Bowl banners they have hanging up. Ask the the Browns about going 4-0 in the preseason every year. Exactly. It it means nothing. So the fact that they're still working out the bumps in the preseason I think is good. I think Terrell Pryor is set for a good week. He's got a strong matchup. I'm all in on Jamison Crowder for this week and also for the season. Yeah. Because he knows the offense. He's, he's oh. Yeah, Jamison Crowder is the number six matchup this week in terms of uh, the cornerbacks, wide receivers, head-to-head. So Also an interesting just, daily guy because Terrell Pryor costs so much more than Jamison Crowder. So, I mean, all of that very interesting this week. Uh, so it's going to be a high-scoring high-paced game at the end of it i will take the better team and i think just barely the better team is going to be philadelphia so that's interesting because i'm actually going the opposite way uh sure I'm it actually could, like, go... it's a coin flip it's a division yeah, it's a game flip, it could go either way with, but the redskins are at home uh excuse me the, the washington team is is at home <laughs> and uh and i like them just a little bit more at home Man, this game has some potential for some ridiculous hilarity, though. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. triple coverage passes that get batted and people getting killed, and both defenses can't play can't play at all. So yeah, just start. I'd, I'd be I'd be very interested in starting guys from either roster this week, especially. But yeah, give me the R's. Yeah, Neil going with the uh, the Washington Scarlet Epidermis. So we have the, the Jags, <laughs> the Jags going to Houston to take on the Texans. The Jags did not look great in the preseason, as we just talked about. That didn't really matter. <laughs> no, but it was funny. But it was funny in this case. I will. Uh, the biggest news and note for them this week is they cut their best quarterback. Yes. They got rid of Brandon Allen, which made no They're sense. They're so good at evaluating that position, by the way. Extending portals, cutting the only guy that looked any good. Yeah, no, you're on the right. Pain check. Yeah, as, l- oh, yeah. yeah, as long as Blake Bortles is starting, I'm taking whoever they're against. And the fact that it happens to be my Texans makes it even better. The only big note I had here, other than I'm taking the Texans, by the way, in the Pixie and Pick'em, is that uh, you, you want to go ahead. i got to practice taking this name here. Yeah, leave leave that in, though. Uh-huh. 
uh, while he warms up, I'm going to go ahead and just make this nice and short. Go, yeah, get a drink, loosen up the... Uh, yeah, the, good, good. Is that, salt, that better, it should be salt water. Uh, yep, hot salt water. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the Texans, and I would think it should be barely obvious. They're at home, Jacksonville has looked like garbage, and they are continuing to play Blake Bortles, despite the fact that Blake Bortles looks like about on par with Brock Osweiler at this point. And we'll get there. So my only note was, for the Texans... Kuimi Fairbairn. He is the Good. new kicker. Oh, he He's from Honolulu. Big shock, right? And <laughs> uh, he played for UCLA. He hit a 60-yard field goal in college last year. He has looked really impressive in camp. He went 8-for-8 eight eight in the preseason. Very strong. It was because of that they were able to, to cut uh, Novak. So, yeah, they've moved on. They've got a new starting kicker now. And last season, Houston was second in the league in field goals attempted only one behind Washington. So I'm, they're going to kick the ball a bunch. They get into these defensive, low-scoring struggles, and he can boot it. So he's a guy that's pretty unowned throughout leagues. If you're looking for a kicker this week, uh, he's definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, because no one will have heard of it. Uh, Indy going to L.A. to take on the Rams. The Andrew Luck saga continues, Neil. This is just the saddest travesty. I'm going I'm to use the same joke that I shouted him out for before, but that Drew Maggery guy from Deadspin wrote that article about why the Colts suck, and in it he postulates that they may be stocking their training room with melanoma. And uh, he might have a point. It's unbelievable what's going on with the Colts. I don't know how you have that quality quarterback play for that long going all the way back through Peyton Manning. You only win one Super Bowl, and you mismanage it to this degree, to where your best player on your team, not in question at all, for all intents and purposes, is just broken. So we have no idea how long Luck will actually be out. Until then, it's Scott Tolzien. They got Jacoby Brissett, but who knows how long it would take him to get involved and how much they actually trust Tolzien to carry the team. We'll see how he does. The biggest question mark here is T.Y., yeah. He was a high-picked uh, wide receiver. He's got the talent. That's never been an issue. The issue has always been health. Can he stay on the field? He is on the field and healthy. And then it's luck. With, with Andrew Luck out, how much do you trust Scott Tolzien to get him the ball? Because T.Y. Hilton has the 13th-ranked matchup this week. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, it's a great week for T.Y. Hilton. He could put up big numbers. Should, but have, been. Should have been a great season for T.Y. Scott Tolzien. Here we are. Talking about Scott so, Tolzien and Jacoby Brissett. It's a matter of do you trust Scott Tolzien throwing to your number one or number two wide receiver, or do you want to look elsewhere to kind of fill that gap? And I think that's a question that a lot of people are going to have to struggle with this in weekend. In daily, I'm avoiding it completely. No, I want no part of it. In daily, you're a crazy person, or you're playing in some sort of contrarian pool. And even if you're playing in a contrarian pool, I admire the balls or the lady balls. And... Uh, <laughs> I just, this is going to get ugly. This is going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly game of no defense by the Colts being played at all and probably no offense with Scott Tolzien. So to go with T.Y. is just a straight gut play. And, and I can, I get it, though, if you drafted him that high where you would have had to have drafted him probably in the second round of most drafts to where you just may not necessarily have options that you trust more or want or like better. And if that's your situation, I get it, but good luck to you. I mean, that's a hell of a dice roll that you're going with there. To that, just to put a fine point on it, I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, I mean, in the PFF League, T.Y. Hilton was my second-round pick. I do have other options, but I'm still going with him. 
just because of the upside, just because of the fact yeah. that he's the number one receiver on that offense. Well, he can catch a three-yard pass and just take it home at any he's point. He's the 13th-ranked matchup, and Scott Tolzien is terrible, but he's still a quarterback. He's still going to get them the ball, and they're going to probably be throwing it a bunch because, like you, I don't understand why 50% of the public is on the Colts right now because I'm going with the Rams. I don't think they're paying attention. The Colts attention. are horrendous. I don't think it's they're paying awful. attention. That's, I that's, think people just hate the Rams that much more that for I no get. reason. That I get. No, because that, there's a sample of that it's over the last like five years of watching terrible Rams football games. That sure. I sort of get it. If you're just like every year you just kind of pencil the Rams in to only win a smattering of games and they're all hideously ugly. That I've seen a lot of. So I kind of get that, but it's just without Andrew Luck, the Colts are in all seriousness one of the three or four worst teams in football. I want winners. Next we got Seattle Green Bay, so an actual football game. That'll be interesting. This is an always a classic game. This is a grudge match. I love this game. Packers Seahawks. Fine. Well, that's the, what I'm saying. It's finally a football game. We've been talking about Indy that, LA. Oh, God, they hate each other so much. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's great. So uh, it's going to be high scoring. We would assume. Oh, yeah. The Packers' defense is always bad. As we mentioned, Baldwin has the number one ranked wide receiver this week because of the terrible matchup. Paul Richardson, Tyler Lockett, Jimmy Graham, uh, Eddie Lacy, start your Seahawks. Russell Wilson, start them all. The only issue is Thomas Rawls, who could be splitting carries back there with Eddie Lacy, listed as questionable. They don't know his status for this game. So that would only heighten what Eddie Lacy could do if he's the guy all by himself. All right, get that Procise in there. Procise going to get some extra targets. Oh, yeah. CJ Procise is the third down back. He's going to get the pass catches Procise. anyway. Procise will cost $2 for your flex in daily. <laughs> always has the role. The question with the running game is always going to be, is it Lacy or is it Rawls? And this week it may finally be a clear-cut option of only Lacey. He may be the only one you can go with. So with that being said, you now have to look to the Green Bay side because that's the most interesting one, right? Because you've got guys like Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Ty Montgomery going up against that great Seattle defense. So they are home, but is this a matchup where you're kind of backing off of you know guys you might be looking at? Obviously, you're going to play Jordy if you got Jordy. Right. I mean, you got to play your studs. You're playing Rodgers. If you're not playing Rodgers, I don't know why you're drafting him. Right. How comfortable are you with Ty Montgomery? How comfortable are you with Devontae Adams in, in this type of matchup? That's that's a real question you're going to have to look at this weekend. Is it somebody that you're starting or is it someone you're passing on? I'm passing on both Ty Montgomery and Devontae Adams, mostly because I don't like the matchup for Ty Montgomery, and I don't think Devontae Adams, just as a point of fact, is very good at football. Right. I, I've never bought that hype. I think the more relevant receiver there is randall cobb is that someone you're more interested in or are you still passing on that too no i'd be more interested in cobb because i know what cobb's role is right a lot of people are just done with randall cobb i think because it's just they're just not interested he's too far over the hill in his career he's beat up that's why he was going so late in drafts because he was going in the hundreds and that's very low for randall cobb who was you know one of the highest two receivers you could have been drafting so i'm a little bit more interested in cobb just because again i don't want to use the pun that i know what his you know cobb i know what his job is but that's kind of what it is. I know what he's going to do. He's going to be out there to do Randall Cobb work and, and run crazy slants over the middle and do all that stuff. I'm kind of just out on all the Packers this week because of the matchup, to be honest. You, if you had Rodgers, you know, you're going to play him. But other than that, I really don't have a whole lot of confidence in any of the Packers this week. I'm fine with Rodgers and Nelson. 
Uh, yeah, you kind of have know to. my hatred for Martellus Bennett, so I don't want any part of Although this is probably the week to play Martellus Bennett, because you only get five good weeks at the beginning of the year, as we've always pointed out, before he gets hurt. And historically, what always happens is Packers, what, one and four, yeah. two and three, they always start slow. They they always, for whatever reason, it always takes them a while to get up and going. So I've got Seattle in this one, and I don't think it's particularly... I mean, maybe close, but I, I don't think it's it's clearly Green Bay like the public seems no, to think it is. this is what I was going to point out. The public is all in at 76% on the Green Bay Packers. And I also have the Seattle Seahawks coming in and just putting one on, frankly, the Packers in week one. I think they're going to catch right. the Packers with their pants down, and they're not going to be ready for that defense. And then it's all going to come unglued at some point, and the Packers are going to march down the field 40 times. And there's going to be some sort of ridiculous play at the end of the game that the game will hinge on and Seattle will win because of that. That's how that game always ends. <laughs> Next up, we've got Carolina at San Francisco. It'll be interesting because you'll have uh, Christian McCaffrey making his NFL debut in the Bay Area. Pretty much home sweet home, home cooking. Yeah, I mean, you think he sleeps in his childhood bed? You think he like <laughs> actually stays in his, yeah. Yeah, like a race car bed with like footy pajamas and gets up and has breakfast? Yeah, it, it, that'll be good for him. So McCaffrey makes the professional debut, as you noted there. Carolina against San Francisco, though this is a pretty obvious one. I mean, the D there is improved for San Francisco, but not approved enough to compete. I would start the Panthers D. I would start anybody on Carolina start except for we don't know who the kicker is. So yep. anybody but the kicker. All all in on Carolina. That's it. Start all your Panthers this week. Then don't start the kicker because if you got two kickers, then it's just not relevant for fantasy football. Yeah, and if it wasn't clear enough from that, I got Carolina and picks can pick them. So do I. Crushing the 49ers. (laughs) Sunday night football: Giants at Cowboys. Oh man! So this was the drama all week. So Zeke Elliott. They didn't make an announcement about the suspension until after the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. On Tuesday, because of that, he's automatically eligible to play week one. They then upheld the suspension three hours later. And so now he's going to get to play week one. And then he'll have to sit weeks two through eight. Because he has the bye week in week seven. And it's a six game suspension. Not a six week suspension. Like I've heard some places, it's a six game suspension. So he will miss their games Two through six, then they have a bye, then he'll miss week eight, and he'll be back in week nine. So you're missing Zeke for a majority of the season, which you already knew anyway. You can't he tell Steve. Steve is really tired of eight. explaining this to people because he's been doing yeah. it a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, it's he's going to be out. He was already going to be out till week eight. Now it just pushes it back until week nine. So it's not a huge difference. The biggest concern is last year Zeke's two worst games of the season came against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Dallas didn't know what to do and was lost against the Giants. They lost to him both games, and Zeke was shut down for those two games. So now, against that good defensive line and against the defense that shut Zeke down twice last year, that's your opening week matchup, and then he's on suspension until week nine of the year. So you don't love that at all in terms of Zeke's outlook and projection. And then you mentioned here uh, the Cowboys with the defensive suspensions. It's not a good defense anyway. Brandon Marshall's now healthy off the injury report. Biggest question for the Giants is, will Odell play? And it looks like definitely, maybe. Yeah, so, that's as yeah, clear that's as mud. Pretty much that's what you get. Where it is. it's He's not fully participating in practice, but he is there. 
and he's doing stuff on the side, he's but you don't know how much. He's dancing with the kicking net, so he seems fine. And I mean, you know. So it looks like maybe he'll play, I would assume, just gut feeling, no no source, no information. I would just say Odell probably gives it a go just because he's Odell. And then once they have the game in hand, I would say, you know, like two, three minutes into the game, <laughs> then he's going to come out and Get sit on Gatorade. the sideline. Yeah. Like, I think he likes the blue. Yeah. The blue Gatorade. Yeah. Once the game is in hand for them, there's no reason to put him out there and risk anything. No, because Sterling Shepard can do his job for the rest of the game, frankly, which is part of the reason why I like Sterling I feel Shepard. like he'll start the game, but not give it a full go. Yeah. Even though it's a great matchup for him, oh yeah, I don't know how much I'm trusting it until I know for sure that they're coming out and saying, oh yeah, he's giving it 100, percent and even then I don't really buy it. This is one where you so, just got to uh, monitor the injury reports, stay tuned. If you drafted Odell, I know you're going to play him because you can't. You not. have to. You have yeah. to. So in just it, this is another one though in daily where I just no thank you. It'll be way too expensive and I don't want to deal with it. Even when he does play and he's 100 percent healthy historically slow starter yes. the first four or five games of the season as you mentioned earlier like with doug martin first four or five games of the season for whatever reason he ranks really low in the mid 20s to 30s in the wide receiver ranks so he picks it up at the end of the year he has some huge games that bounce him back and get him back into that top five so overall he's a great player but at the beginning of the season for whatever reason just takes him a little while to get the juices flowing and because i don't think he's going to play the full game here I'm staying away from Odell in daily. If I have a better option, I mean, maybe if I'm fully stacked, I'll try to figure something else out. I'm maybe. not suggesting you bench Odell because he's still going to produce. He might just be flexed. Though. I, it's just, it's such a I'm not expecting wide receiver one production is my point. Yeah. Maybe wide receiver two, and you might want to look elsewhere to find some kind of like super flex home run hitter type thing. Typically, this would be a week where I'd say, like, oh, yeah, play Deshaun Jackson because right. you might need that home run hit from someone like Deshaun Jackson. So like, for example, in our next game, Ted Ginn. Maybe you want to yes. swing for Ted Ginn because maybe he goes off for three catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Exactly. That's his exact stat line. That's a top-end yeah. night for him. So right. it's just in this one, I don't want to you know keep pointing it out and harping on it, but uh, Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall for daily, though. For, yeah, sure. for sure. Take a look. They'll be discounted. Marshall's off the injury report, and half the Cowboys' defense is suspended for this game. A defense that was bad to begin with does not have its best pass rusher and its best player. Th- this is going to get brutal. Eli Manning's going to have time to like play hopscotch from a seven-step drop and hurl it down the field to a wide-open some pass catcher. I don't know who, which one it'll be, but that's going to be the entire game. Because the Cowboy, because the uh, the Giants, for the record, for the season, you're going to hear us talk about this a lot, I'm sure. The Giants can't seem to run the ball. No. Fortunately, that's not going to hold them up this week, I don't think, because the defense is going to be so bad that it doesn't matter. But that's going to be a theme for the Giants this season, is can they run the football? The, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be all Giants all day. And this is why you never bet with the public, because... People just go on last season's record and what they saw. And it's also because the public is largely Cowboys fans that are not logical about any of these things. <laughs> and they, you can't – if you ever had Cowboys friends on Facebook, you will remove them immediately. And those of you – there are many of you who I know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the first of the two Monday night football games, New Orleans in Minnesota. <laughs> the return of Adrian Peterson, this. as you wrote so elegantly, oh, the grudge match. This is the best. <laughs> the, the AP return. 
This this is the only thing that could have that could top that afternoon Seahawks Packers fist fight. It's going to be on. This is the only thing because this is going to get ugly. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's the high-powered offense of New Orleans going against the really good Minnesota defense, and then the very low-powered offense of the Vikings going up against the very bad defense of the Saints. So it's you know who's going to bend first here? It's power against power and weakness against weakness. Yeah. The news of note, Willie Sneed suspended for the first three games. We found that out surprisingly on Friday. As a result, Willie Sneed, you can get for a discount if, if you're looking for somebody to pick up and stash on your bench. I still believe when he comes back, he's the number two option on this team. Willie Sneed, I was high on in the preseason. I'm still high on now, but maybe you can wait a week or two to claim him off waivers and kind of stash him down there if he wasn't already taken. Also, the interesting thing for me Brandon Cook's leaving, going to uh, New England, obviously. Michael Thomas thrown into the number one role there, and everybody instantly made him a top ten wide receiver. I didn't buy the hype. So maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm wrong. I don't see Michael Thomas as a huge fantasy option this year, as a top ten guy, top 15 maybe, top 20 I guess. But top ten is kind of crazy to me, and in this initial matchup, we'll get to see it. For the first time, because defenses planned around Brandon Cooks. Defenses were putting their number one guy and their number one corner and safety over the top on Brandon Cooks and leaving the rookie, Michael Thomas, on his own on the other side of the field. It's not the case anymore. Now it's the Michael Thomas show, and this week he gets Xavier Rhodes, which makes him the 25th rated matchup in terms of cornerback wide receiver matchups. So, I've always been low on Michael Thomas. It'll be interesting to see how he handles the number one corner for the first time this weekend. It will be. He ended up going really high in drafts this year to a point where when I first saw the list coming out at the beginning of the year, I honestly thought it was, you know, like a typo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like I said, he was going about ADP wide receiver seven or yep. eight. And, and he was going overall probably somewhere around by the end of it, 12 to 15. He's going higher than Brandon Cooks. Right. That's crazy. So he's going higher than Brandon Cooks, who's now on the Patriots without Julian Edelman. But it's all, as always, it's the Saints. They're going to move the ball. And they're going to give the ball to Adrian Peterson. The question is, do they set it up so Adrian Peterson scores on his former team? And That's my actual thought process, and I think they try to. I'm not saying that you're going to yeah. succeed in that, but my point is if you're thinking about Mark Ingram at any point, I'd wait a week on that. I don't want Mark Ingram this week because I think Mark Ingram is going to not get a whole lot of work around the goal line this week because I think they're going to be trying to get Adrian Peterson into the end zone against this former team because I know he wants it, and I know the Saints also as an organization, they're the kind of team that will do that kind of thing. And I think they're going to try and blow the Minnesota Vikings out. I don't know that they're going to succeed in that necessarily, but I do think they are going to win the game. Yes, I also have the Saints in pigskin pick them. Last game of the week, Monday night, Chargers against the Broncos. It's a high-powered offense in the Chargers going, again, against the strong defense of Denver. And then it's the Chargers' better defense against the not-so-great offense of the Denver Broncos. Yep. The return of the Brock Lobster. <laughs> I called that so I'm hard. I call that uh, so I hard. I normally clap. I'm not clapping for that. That's not. No, that's just hurtful. <laughs> so great. Kyle Sloter in Minnesota. Back. Thanks, Kyle. I would have done it too, though, because they offered him a lot of money. The Brock is back. He's backing up Trevor Simeon. 
Demarius Thomas listed as questionable for this game with that groin injury he suffered in the preseason. However, it looks like he is going to be able to give it a go, but we'll know later in the week, and it's the Monday night game, so you'll get the uh, reports later and later in the week compared to everything else. That being said, the better options, I mean, obviously Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, and they're the better terms of talent-wise guys, but the guy throwing him the ball and the offensive line protecting them as you know, is my raw, passionate hatred for uh, for, the, for this team. Uh, so as a result, I'm going with the Chargers on the road upsetting yeah. the Broncos. And I can see that, though. It's not as crazy as it might have sounded in other years. Uh, sure. But I'm actually, you know, I'm just going to lay it out. I'm going, I'm going with the Broncos just because it's at home, and historically the Broncos in week one typically play really, really well because the defense usually comes out so ridiculously white hot that nobody can even do anything against it and they ended up winning the game like i watched them take apart the carolina panthers yeah but carolina was really bad last they, year. they were but i'm also not sold on the chargers defensive rebuild to the extent you are some of those guys are already kind of dinged up and hurt they are going to be better i mean it's impossible for them to be worse they, they are getting better they were relevant towards the end of last year too i remember that they did kind of get it all get some of their guys back and get it all kind of turned around so i'm expecting better just I have the Chargers taking the other game against the Broncos, the one where the Chargers sure, the are. home game. Yeah, that's the one that I've got. And I like the Broncos to win this one, and they kind of get a feel-good game going, and then we'll see what happens from there. It gets way harder than this for them. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the previews this week. We will once again do this next week, and then uh, as for now, we're done with the NFL preview. If you're leaving us once again, I'm uh, at nonsense underscore Steve. You can follow Neil at nonsense underscore Neil. We encourage you, however, to stick around for the Golden League update. As uh, it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Telling you oh, yeah, that. this one especially. So, uh, this is going to get. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it here. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. I love gold. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. So as we mentioned in the open, it's, it's the draft heard around the world. I mean, what the hell happened out there? It's... It all started with pick one, and Lisa took LaShawn McCoy, and instantly every draft board was on fire. Yep, I just started falling up my notes. That was the uh, end of that. Didn't know what to do anymore. The whole first round was crazy. It all, f- and then I kept, I told you, I kept mocking, like, okay, I did the mock draft that had Christian McCaffrey fall to me in the third round. And as we both said, it's like, you just throw that out because. You can't expect that to actually happen. Yeah, that can't make it so into my actual data set. That's that, crazy. That, that would never actually happen. That, no, 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 no. Exactly. So that's I can't go. factor that in. And then what happens? Third round, I get nuke. DeAndre Hopkins falls all the way to me at the 30th pick of the draft in the third round for God knows what reason. People just hate Tom Savage, I guess. I think, so, I think so, actually, to be honest. I think that's like definitely a component of it. I think people, if we talk about recency bias, you know, in the with how people are betting in the picks can pick them and that's i think a factor of recency bias for sure is that people remember what they've seen recently and it's just that simple they remember nuke bomb was bad last year two years ago they had okay it was below average qb play and he was a top five wide receiver and then last year brock was terrible and not only was he terrible, but he refused to throw the ball DeAndre's way. And when you it's put Tom Savage job. in there, he was throwing the ball to DeAndre constantly. So 
I have no issue taking DeAndre Hopkins this year. I had him as wide receiver 11. I feel like he's got top 10 upside for sure. He could have a big year this year, especially now that he's got paid. So I like DeAndre Hopkins, and the fact that he fell to me for no apparent reason was crazy. The fact that Emmanuel Sanders fell to me for no reason was crazy. (laughs) Everybody hating on him for the same reason, the QB play. Like, I'm just so deep and stacked at wide receiver, it's ridiculous. Like, the hatred that people had on these wide receivers that I didn't just didn't get. And then Flynn stacking his team ridiculously. Ugh. Yeah, Flynn, Flynn is stacked to the gills, and we'll get into that in the grades. But he, he is stacked. And you also did get the best value receiver core because same thing kind of with Emmanuel Sanders happened to, like, Paul Richardson. It's like, wait, is he dead? Is yeah. He- is he, like, not on that team anymore, and they just didn't fix it in the draft lobby? No? Okay. Like All I said, right. I've well, never been go. super high on Emmanuel Sanders because I don't like the QB play. But yeah, but where you at got a it. certain point, it's like, are you serious? He's the number 18 wide receiver on the board, and I got him as, like, wide receiver 30-something. It's crazy. The hate went way too far, as they say, For sure. on uh, on him. So there were a lot of that. There was a lot of that, though, because when you were drafting against a couple people whose draft board – must have looked way different than mine because uh, you had weird things like Amir Abdullah going super high, uh, Dante Moncrief going way before yep. the projection and in, in front of other people that are were rated way higher. I mean, you had a lot of things like that. And then some of the stuff you got was literally right in front of me too, which was kind of nice, and Matt Herrick, because I know Matt Herrick, as soon as you took Emmanuel Sanders, was like, well, I waited too long. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so, I got, uh, like I said, Kirk Cousins was my number four QB, and I got him way late, uh, so I was able to wait on that successfully. I was proud of our draft for that, though. The QB run didn't come until a much more appropriate time yeah, exactly. than what I'm normally used to watching. And the defense run was also yes, at a much yeah, exactly. more appropriate time. Defenses till yeah, the thank end. You. Kudos to everybody thank you for that. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate you all not, you know, just taking defenses in the sixth round. Yeah, and then... Uh, Never works. Yeah, the, I mean... We we talked about the guys uh, slipping to me. You had a couple fall to you that were good. Uh, I got Larry I Fitz at a Larry nice value. Fitz pick. Yeah, yeah, I got Larry Fitz as my flex at a really nice value. Uh, I had to roll with the, with uh, Dougie B, which you and I know neither one of us is super you know thrilled with. However, what I liked about my team is that I knew I wasn't going to get just because of how my draft board was going to work from how I had it set up. I was never going to realistically get one of those like top six wide receivers, so I knew I had to get. Uh, a smattering of guys that could all play. And I felt like I accomplished that because I have five guys on my team that are receiver. I felt like I only needed five after the five I got because I ended up with Crowder and Brandon Marshall rounding out Dougie B, Michael Crabtree, and Larry Fitz that I all got for very nice values. So a lot of nice nice values um, there. And then the other one was you and I kind of approached it the same way. Tight end is the – if I can't get one of the good tight ends, then I want my tight end to be effectively like a $1 tight end. You know yeah, what I mean? Upon it. Yep. Yeah. And we'll just see if we get lucky throughout the course of the season. So then Mr. Flynn taking all the rookies as usual and all the Packers. Yeah. And the Packers. Yep. David Flynn being all over the place. Can't predict it. No clue. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Kevin had a good draft with, uh, with a lack of a draft board. Uh, you know, Tony went full contrarian again and worked from last year. year. So he's sticking to it. Yeah. And uh, Matt had a really good draft, considering all the the garbage he had to deal with. So uh, 
Speaking of that, we're going to go into it now. We're going to put the entire draft and the grades under this week's microscope. Under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope, into the friendship running zone. Under the microscope. So the draft grades, we're just going to give you the highs and the lows. The lowest grade of all the drafts this season was the newcomer, Lisa. She was graded out a D, the lowest grade of anybody. And it's because of the, the crazy, contrarian. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it got to a point where I was saying it's probably the fact that she's looking at the board. She came in saying, these are the guys I want. I don't care where I can get them. And like we said, the, the McCoy pick, she followed that up with Amir Abdullah. Which again, it was somebody that was never going to come back around to her. Right. I just we're feel like there were better people at running back ahead of Abdullah, and she just had it locked in. That's my guy. I get the logic behind Moncrief, the fact that she believes that the Colts are going to be down by a hundred every game, which is sure. true. Which is true. But I just don't good. trust Moncrief being on the field, and then Tolzien throwing to him, and then she I went all in on Andrew Moncrief Luck too. To catch That's, the ball. Catch right. the ball, Dante. He is not the sure-handedest of receivers. It is, it's man. So yeah, I but at any, by the same token, he is also a candidate that he'll catch one from that's a four-yard dump off, and then have I saw it in the preseason, two guys will hit him, and he'll somehow squirt out of it and run it back for seventy yards and score. So there's always so again, that upside. Uh, the the grades come from FootballGuys.com. They give you their analysis on it too. Some of them are pretty good. We uh, do check not out write the, those. If, they, if yeah. you got if you got if you got made fun of, we didn't write that. I just want to yeah. point that out. Yeah, just check that out, and uh, it's on the under the microscope section on importantnonsense.com. They are good. It's the complete list is there, but as I said, just the lowest for Lisa, and then the highest. Uh, it also factors in where you were, what what your draft board looked like coming in, so the roster they expected you to come away with, and then the one you did. That's basically what the grades are saying. So. The fact she had the number one pick, the number one slot, and then some of the players that may have been on the board at those positions that she passed on to take the guys she did and that are not as high on, that's kind of how she fell into that bracket. It was actually a tie for the highest. We've never had that before. And it was Flynn because, of course. I mean, yeah. he, he got an no A. Just go look he, at the roster. The reason he wouldn't get an A-plus is because of the depth. As we said, would be an issue. It is an issue. He's got a unbelievable starting roster that is beyond stacked at every position. But if he takes even a single injury, he, he's going to be in trouble having to rotate in some of the guys he's got off his bench. He's going to need to get real creative on waivers. But that being said, I have every confidence. Right. As I said, if I had to pick, because he, he was obvious, it, everything just landed in his lap and he just oh, said, yeah. ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme. But if I had to pick one standout winner of the draft, the guy that got an A in my book was Matt Herrick. And I, like I said, Hats 100%. off to Matt. Hundred percent. Because draft he might have ever had. Because with everything he had to do and deal with, as I said, after his first two picks, he had to wait until the sixth round, until his yeah. next pick, in the middle of the sixth, and then he had to wait till the eighth. 
and, and he built the majority of his team at the back end after everyone already had starters and backups. He was filling in his starting lineup. So, you know, because of that, I still have him projected last. Oh yeah, and, and uh, have him very, finishing very two and nine or or one and ten maybe, but him having the worst season ever is probably done. The idea that he's going to be an 0 and 11 and destroyed every week is probably out the window. But like I said, considering what could have been and maybe what should have been based on what his roster started as, uh, the fact that he was able to salvage a real team out of that is more than a little bit impressive. No, it was very impressive, especially when you factor in he was drafting on his phone. On like public Wi-Fi, basically. <laughs> so right. he had, he did, he did a lot of work. He, uh, we were always talking to him about this for a while. He, he did a lot of work to try and fix this because I know he had heard what you had said about, you know, well, he might be done for two years to try and piece back together after, you know, mortgaging the farm last season. And I think that might be out the window too because he has enough fun toys on that team with Mike Evans. And I feel like he's going to have some pieces at the deadline. And yeah, he's probably not going to make. I mean, crazier things have happened. He might, he might, you know, he might go nuts and Legarrette Blunt is the truth all of a sudden. Even that I'm wrong, and that's fine. But <laughs> find it very unlikely. But uh, he might have some serious pieces to go auction off, basically to the highest bidder at the deadline, and put himself back in, you know, actual contention to be right back on the right foot going into next year. Sure. My point about the uh, the, the taking a couple of years though was. When you look at his roster top to bottom right now, how many pieces would you say he could possibly sell? It kind of depends. Mike Evans is the obvious one. Yeah. That's the that's the easy one. Marshawn Lynch. Is Marshawn Lynch going to be good? Is yeah. Andy Dalton going to have a bounce back season? Jimmy Graham, maybe, if someone's looking for a tight end. If sure. somebody really needs a tight end down the stretch. Uh, Jameis Winston, if he has the year that people are projecting. And then there's the, always the wild cards on this roster of – Adam Thielen, because you don't, I don't know what you're getting there. Uh, and then Sterling Shepard, which is really, I think, more injury dependent at this point. But if one of those guys goes down, I could see Sterling Shepard vaulting up in usefulness immediately. Alvin Kamara, as we and then Alvin earlier. Kamara, as we talked about, you know, back in the show. So we don't really need to go back into that. Graham Lynch, Mike Wallace was the other one too. The point I was getting at was those are guys you would have to keep in the first round. It's guys he can't keep. Mike Evans, he could if he wanted to, but you'd be burning your first-round pick. Yeah, they're just going to be low-round rentals, though, is, is the thing, though. Is my... So if you trade them off to someone, then you can get assets back. That's great. Then you still have to keep someone. The idea that he could keep two players that would put him in a position to win plus be able to have assets to build around, like Flynn has done like Brian is done. Well, he's never going to turn a position around to, that to win. Degree in two years, that was my point. To, that was my whole that, point. That's yeah. going to a dynasty. Okay. If that's the whole thing, yeah, going from that to back to a dynasty run like those guys are preparing to do is a whole different thing. But yes. back to relevancy in, in a one-year turnaround, I think is definitely well within the realm of possibility. Based sure. On to launch himself into a position that next year he could finish fifth and, or sixth and make the playoffs for the, the first time. Again. He could be a buyer be. again. Like, right. Is, That's is the, is the certainly thing. a possibility now yeah. because of what he's been able because to do. Because of this. Because I was actually with it where he might not even be relevant again for two seasons based on what had happened. So he's definitely, I think, kicked that to the curb, yeah. which is great. Because so th- this, like I said before, this might be the best draft he's ever had. 
because of the degree of the degree of difficulty. I get the roster's not the best roster he's ever been with, obviously, but that was hard <laughs> to, yeah. to come and out again, of there with, with that look, team. That being said, when you look at it, we're, that leads us right into the initial preseason power rankings. And in the past, it's been Buffalo Wild Wings, it's been McHugh's, it's been whoever has sponsored us. Well, this year, it's the Pro Football Focus power rankings. So thank you to everybody over at Pro Football Focus for the stats and information. It's a new system this year that we're running through. And top to bottom, here's how it lays out just for the preseason. So the number one ranked team, no doubt, no shock, it's Flynn. We, we all knew that coming in. and it, It's far and away him. He's not even close to anyone else. Then you've got Brian you know, behind him, closer than anyone else, and he's got himself a good distance into second. But like I said, it's there's such a gap between everyone there that it's it's nice to be number two if you're Brian, but that's kind of the <laughs> the ceiling at this point, right? With the team that Flynn stacked up, one with and the... then it gets interesting. So then it's a cluster of teams, but it has Paul number three in his first season. Followed by you at four, me at five, and we're all right there within percentage points of each other. And it's all about strengths. Like your strength clearly being running back, and then, you know, the wide receiver depth, me super wide receiver depth, and the QB play, and you the QB with uh, Matt Ryan as well. And then Paul just straight balance across the board is what has him there. It's a lot of guys that they love at Pro Football Focus in terms of the projections that we're not super high on which is why we had him ranked personally kind of lower. But, I mean, good on him to be number three to start the season. Yeah, and Pro Football Focus loved his team. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Then sixth, it's Sandman uh, trying to bounce back from his 2-9 and nine season. The reigning MVP, Tony, comes in at seventh. David at eighth. Mr. Flynn and his all-rookie Packer team coming in number nine. Matt, as we were talking about, 10th because of what he was able to do with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, uh, solidifying that roster, which, of course, <laughs> doesn't help him now. And then yeah, Kevin, number we... 11, and uh, Lisa rounding out the bottom at 12. She was the consensus between both sites as the last place team. So, I mean, it's like I said, it, it's interesting the way that that shook out for the initial ranks, and we'll see how that goes. It's all about uh, strength of victory through the rest of the year so whoever you're facing this week if you're facing a high-ranked team you could move up a lot of points and then if you lose it doesn't matter because you're supposed to lose that game anyway but it puts a lot of pressure on the top tier teams to hold those positions the only other one there that's really surprising was kevin's team because that was the one that you and i both kind of looked at and ran around with and said okay it's probably a middle of the pack team and pro football focus was like that team (laughs) no yeah like i said i like I grayed out Kevin's draft as really well because what he had yeah, to deal with, he did yeah. really well. He didn't have a but three or four and a five. The, right, that's that's the issue. The fact was that he got Elliott first, and he's going to miss six games. And then the fact that he's got the second-round pick he missed out, he didn't have the fifth, he didn't have the sixth. And because of that, he had to fill in gaps other places, and it just he's rolling the dice on some guys that he's going to have to hope turn out to be big guys for him. So either it's he's going to be middle of the pack and have to buy again like he did last year, or maybe he tries to flip some assets and becomes a seller at some point. But the way his schedule lays out in the beginning of the season and the way that the roster laid out for him through the draft, it could be a rough couple weeks to start the year for him, and then we'll see what happens in the middle of the year. Yeah, his early... uh... His, his early, early schedule is not schedule is so brutal. 
No, he's got to play like all the people we listed off at the top part there of the power yeah. rankings pretty much in a row. So then every week we're going to try to do a highlight match of the week. You know, what's going to be the most important match to look at? It's week one. So it's hard to really pick anything here. Uh, the two I just noted were Lisa's playing you in her first ever matchup. So uh, I will say good luck to Lisa. I know you won't. So good luck to Lisa in your first ever match. It'll be a, It's an uphill battle for her this year, as we heard he mentioned. That's not very nice. I'll say good luck to Lisa. I just don't mean it. <laughs> exactly. There you go. I, you know. I, <laughs> and then the other uh, one of note I put was uh, Flynn Sr. taking on his brother David. It is going to be Flynn's. 100th career game so congratulations to mr flynn it'll be the first game of his 10th season with the league been around a while been around 10 of 10 of the 15 seasons he's played with us now so yeah uh, mr flynn game number 100 coming up for him this week so that's it for us neil any final notes before we uh, sign it off here no that's really i mean Good luck to anybody who was heavily invested in Tampa Bay and Miami this season for fantasy, because that's cruel. But Yeah, like I said, it's uh, just go back and, and listen to those pickups for us. A lot of them, guys, you should be noting anyway. You can follow us both on social media, at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil, or on the uh, Fantasy Life app, Important Nonsense. And uh, be sure to keep up with us through social media throughout the week. It's the easiest way to get information from us. Be sure to join the pigskin pick them. You can play against me and Neil. Don't know if you'll be able to get it in before Thursday, but if you do, great. You can get that free Patriots victory. Otherwise, uh, you'll be playing a game behind. You can also play against Superfan Brian, who beat the brakes off us last year. So we will be right. we will be yeah. trying to correct that this season. Yeah, we got to take down Superfan Brian. Yeah, Superfan Brian was way too excited about that. <laughs> it, it, we gotta we gotta we gotta not let that happen again. Gotta fix year. that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it for us for this week. So uh, until next week, everybody, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com. <laughs>